Welcome to the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast, where we interview Matt Amabile and talk about house hacking with a 203k loan and journeying towards FI in your 20s. Hello, hello, hello. My name is Scott Trench, and with me today is my co-host James Daynard from our sister podcast, on the market. James and I are here to make financial independence less scary, less just for somebody else, to introduce you to every money story because we truly believe financial freedom is attainable for everyone, no matter where or when you're starting. Whether you want to retire early and travel the world, go on and make big time investments in assets like real estate or start your own business, we'll help you reach financial goals and get money out of the way so you can launch yourself towards your dreams. All right, we have a new segment of the show called The Money Moments, where we share a money hack, tip, or trick to help you on your financial journey. And today's money moment is, if you're thinking about taking a vacation, plan ahead and book your flights at the appropriately timed moments in advance. So for example, flights are generally the most inexpensive between four months and three weeks before your departure date. So book in that time period. You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single-family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. It's Military Appreciation Month, so I'd like to personally thank all our past guests who have served and all our listeners who are serving, deployed, veterans, or in the reserves. But I'm not the only one showing appreciation. Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate their members who go above and beyond with exclusive rates, discounts, and tools. This month, join Navy Federal and get $50 when you open a credit card. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate to see their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. With 24-7 U.S.-based member service and resources for veterans transitioning to civilian life, Navy Federal is here to help you reach your goals. Head to NavyFederal.org slash celebrate. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, equal housing lender. Disclaimer, must join an open membership savings account between May 1st and May 31st. Annual percentage yield 0.25% for membership savings account. $5 minimum balance to open, maintain membership savings account, and to obtain bonus. Visit NavyFederal.org for more terms and conditions. When it comes to financial guidance, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When Mindy and I want to upgrade our wallets, we turn to NerdWallet. Scott's right. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, Mindy and I were paying for vacations in cash, missing out on miles, and not even knowing what we're leaving on the table. But now we're flying through the skies for free, thanks to our new cards with more miles and upgrades than ever. So if you want more travel rewards, hotel upgrades, or airport lounge access, no matter where you go next, let NerdWallet help you make it happen with a killer travel card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval, and terms of each credit card issuer apply. 
Matt Amabile is a 20-something-year-old with a house hack and a rental portfolio. He created a goal to reach $5,000 in mostly passive income so that he could look travel the world to live life on his terms. Matt has now surpassed that goal and is looking to expand even more. Matt, welcome to the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast. We're so happy to have you. Scott and James, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm so happy to be here. Well, Matt, to start, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your relationship with money growing up? Yeah. Uh, so I would say my big journey starts off in college, but if I jumped it all the way back to when I was like five years old, I saved up around $100 from a lot of money, like $10 from my grandma, $20 from my other grandma. And once I hit $100, I thought 100 was the biggest I could count to. So I thought that that was the most money I would ever get. So from that point, once I found out $100 wasn't the max, I was kind of like obsessed with money. I always thought about money. Then we jump all the way forward to college uh, where I was going to be spending a lot of money to be going to school. Uh, luckily, I ended up getting some financial help, scholarships through academics, and was able to go to college for free. I went to community college for two years, got some more academic scholarships to go to Rutgers University for free. Uh, then I came out of school. I was making $55,000 a year, not really a, a ton of money in the New York City area. Uh, went on a European trip. I went out to Europe for around a month. I spent around $5,000 when I was over in Europe. And then once I got back from Europe, I was like, if I could just create $5,000 a month somehow, I could probably do this for a good amount of time on my own and go and travel Europe for the rest of my life realistically if I wanted to or for however long I wanted to do that. Um, so then life started and I started working $55,000 a year, um, sleeping on my cousin's couch so I could save some money. And there comes a point where my girlfriend breaks up with me. I'm sleeping on my cousin's couch to save money. And my life is kind of just like, uh, it's staring back at me. Like you're not making good money. You're sleeping on a couch. How are you going to get another girlfriend? Like <laughs> everything was, uh, a mess. So I, I decided I was going to get off that couch, started learning about personal finance, read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, a uh, bunch of different books, one of them written by you, Scott. And then from there, bought a house hack from that house hack, started partnering, buying more real estate, got to $6,000 in passive income, quit my job, went and traveled the world and started a podcast and started hanging out and doing my thing now. So that's that's where I'm at from five years old to 26 years old. So Matt, when you were living on the couch, which I love that story, I definitely have my own couch surfing story. Uh, and, and you're kind of figuring out life. You know, when you're trying to live passively, like, you know, you had this amazing Europe trip, you wanted to make five grand a month to pay for your lifestyle. It sounds like you like to travel, enjoy life. What made you pick real estate with all the different avenues out there that someone can pick at that time, right? Like, uh, what what made you think of real estate first? Right. So, so basically, what it was is I googled the top personal finance books, found Rich Dad Poor Dad, and the thing that attracted me most to real estate was the predictability of the dividend that I would be receiving from real estate and just the financial sensibility of being able to get my rent fully paid for by my first building that I buy, 
have all of that paid for. That saves me, well, at that time, it saves me $400 because I was paying that to sleep on a couch. But realistically, it saves me around $1,500 a month if I can get my rent paid for. So that was my first thing. And then I was like, if I can make even more cash flow off of that, like the numbers on these four unit, three unit, two unit properties are pretty predictable and and pretty easy to look at the expenses as well. So just for the dollars I was able to put in with that first three and a half percent down loan, that was my highest cash on cash return that would have been possible for me. So it just made a lot of financial sense. Hey, my Matt, just real quick. So like that's a huge statement you just said, right? You're you're new into real estate, you're new into investing, you're trying to live passively. And then you made the decision based on cash on cash return, which some people don't even get to those kind of analytics or even think that way for years being in real estate. They're just like on a mission. So like what made you get to think of it that way too? Because that's a huge realization for people. Like how do you maximize your cash on cash return, make it stretch? But as a you know younger guy, what were you 25 at the time? roughly uh buying my first property i was 22 22 right and that's when i bought mine too um what made that like how did that click for you because that's a huge switch to turn on yeah so i think i've always had this idea of i'm not gonna try and reinvent the wheel i'm gonna follow the people that have done it follow their path see what they say if i want to be in the position that someone else is in i'm just gonna do what they tell me to do. So that's when I started reading all these books. That was the Rich Dad, Poor Dad, the, you know, Craig Kurlop's book, uh, Rental Property Investing by Brandon Turner, uh, all, every, every single financial freedom through real estate investing, Scott's book, Set for Life, like all of these different books that told me, here are the metrics you should focus on to find a good property. So then it was just rinse and repeat, practice, do your work, put in the reps, do your property analysis. I was probably analyzing like, uh, like 30 properties a day up until like 1 a.m. in my cousin's in my cousin's living room using his computer because I didn't have a laptop myself, like running all this analysis to try and find properties. And, uh, you know, it's it's really just following the people who have done what I want to do. So let's focus in on that first deal, right? So you're 22, you're making $55,000 a year. How much do you save up? What What is the, how do you find this deal? You, you kind of hinted through all these analyses. How long did it take? And and yeah, let's, let's, let's hear about it. Yeah. So it took tons of analysis. Uh, there were tons and tons of properties in the area that I was looking to buy. So I was in Hoboken, New Jersey at this time, and I was looking to buy in Newark, New Jersey, which you probably know isn't like a super great. And what year is this? This, so this is 20, 2020. 2020. Okay. Yep. March of 2020, around that timeline. Um, so I'm looking for my first property there, and I'm going to like this area in Newark because there's high cash flow there. It, it made financial sense because I would be able to live free and clear, wouldn't have to pay for a mortgage, wouldn't have to pay for anything. It's free rent. And that's what meant the most to me at that time. That's like the bottom ring of Maslow's hierarchy that I could fulfill for myself. So that's basically what I was looking for. Couldn't find anything that I actually wanted to pull the trigger on. 
Um, and then I started looking for, I actually took your method, Scott, right? So I, I used this performance based job, job hopping method. And I started looking for other jobs where I could increase my income and, and move out of the area. Luckily, I found a job in near my parents' house. And at that same exact time, as I'm going back to my parents' house, my dad says, Hey, one of my buddies from high school, uh, who's a realtor in this area, found a four unit. It's foreclosed. So I go to this four unit, which I'm in right now. It's my house hack. And um, and I take a look at this place. I have no idea how to run renovation budgets. I don't know what any of that looks like. I just know that the numbers were working stupid well. And if this thing was fully rented out, at least at that time, this thing was going to gross around, I think the numbers were right around $3,000 while I'm still living in one of the apartments. And the purchase price, the asking price was $125,000. And what market is this? So this is in Phillipsburg, New Jersey. This is Northwest New Jersey, right on the border of Pennsylvania. Right next to Philadelphia? Uh, Not next to Philadelphia. It's about an hour north of Philadelphia. Okay. So it's a, a pretty pretty cleaned up area. It's about an hour drive to New York City, uh, a little more rural out here, not as uh, packed together. Um. But so it was offered at it was up at one hundred twenty five thousand dollars, and the numbers just I knew my numbers, I knew what made sense, and I made an offer at one hundred fifty five thousand dollars because everybody was saying all the people that I followed at that time said if the numbers make sense, you can make offers that are higher than the asking price if the numbers are there. So I made a thirty thousand dollar over asking price offer as my first property, and it didn't get accepted. And then like two months later, they end up coming back to me. This is a foreclosed property. So the bank comes back to me and asks me if if I still want the property. And this is the middle of the pandemic. So this is this is actually right before the pandemic. So I said March of 2020. That's actually right when I got in contract on the property. So I was looking and making offers on this property right around the December timeline, December, January. Um, exactly when I put the offer in, I don't remember. Um, so then they come back to me. They say, we're good to go. And uh, if you want this property, you can have it. And I said, yeah, I'll take it. So we went in contract at $155,000. Pandemic hits. All this stuff starts going crazy. Um, it actually ended up taking us three months to close on this property. The bank was going to back out. During this time, I talked the bank down on the property another $20,000 right around. So I pulled out, I talked them down to $145,000 and I had them give me a $10,000 seller credit, uh, which FHA, the max was only like $7,000 that they could give me. So that's what they ended up being able to give me. Um, and so, but then it was like this whole process of figuring out how much of a renovation this thing actually was. So it was a condemned property. It's a four unit property. The whole thing had to be regutted. I don't even, I like to say like, I don't even know how to realistically like swing a hammer. I don't know how to do all this work. Um, and I ended up getting a bunch of guys to come out and it ends up being a $120,000 job to get this thing done. Uh, so I start running the numbers even with the renovation. So 203k loan is how I finance this. And with a 203k loan, you are able to add in your renovation costs to 
your actual purchase price of the property and they couple the renovation costs and the purchase price of the property into your full loan amount. So you only have to put down three and a half percent on that total amount. So of this hundred thirty, we'll call it hundred thirty thousand dollar purchase price plus the hundred twenty thousand dollar renovation. It ended up actually, actually it was one hundred forty five purchase price plus the hundred twenty thousand renovation it ends up being two hundred sixty five thousand that I needed to close on this property. And so I only had to bring around, I think it was like, it ended up coming out to $25,000 that I had to bring to the table because of all these different fees that you run into with FHA inspectors coming out. You have a 203K inspector, you have an inspector for the bank that has to come out and they build an entire scope of work for you. So you don't build the scope of work. There is I like to call the 203K like a a loan on training wheels. Like you get to do this entire renovation burr with someone from the bank coming out and showing you like walking through the property and saying, this is what you're going to need to get done. And this is what the prices should come in around. Then you go out and you get quotes from all these contractors, bring them back to this 203K consultant is what it's called. And you go through go over this with the consultant. Then if the consultant okays it, you go back to the bank and then the bank approves it from the consultant. And, uh, you know, throughout the entire renovation period, the consultant is coming out, checking on renovations, making sure everything is done properly. Um, the bank is holding back certain percentages from the contractors to keep the contractors in the deal. What was the uh, ARV of the house hack? So the, the house valued at, four hundred thousand dollars after it was done and my all-in loan on it was two hundred sixty two thousand bucks awesome home run love it math works math does work that's that's what it's all about hey matt i have a, a couple questions and well first i love your story right because that is how you change everything in life i did the same thing i bought my first home house hacking i wanted to save money i went for the big value increase because i wanted to change and have impact on my life immediately you know, and a lot of people kind of do the slow roll, but you want that big equity gain or big cash flow that you're talking about. But when you get into that, I remember back when I was 22, it was like, how do you figure out how to get into that property without 20% down? How do you figure out how to buy that fixer with, with the loan? And so when you were going through that process, right, you're working 55 grand a year, you went and got pre-qualified. Who educated you about the 203K loan? And was there any other products that you looked at that you, and then you made the decision with the 203K to kind of narrow down? Because I know when I did mine, the 203K loan just wouldn't quite work for what I was trying to accomplish because the closing timeline was too fast. And so I did, I had to make up, kind of make my own version where I had to bring in some private capital and blend it all together. But it was the same concept, a construction loan, fix the property, and then I had to stabilize it. But, you know, sometimes that doesn't work for every scenario. So how did you pick the 203K loan? And was there any other options that you kind of looked at that you just kind of eliminated for certain reasons? So I knew that the 203K loan was going to be, realistically, it was the biggest bang for my buck if I wanted, uh, as far as a cash on cash return was going for me. And at that time, I had limited capital. So I had to maximize that cash on cash return like we talked about earlier. But I found that 203K loan, it immediately, like I, it was like magnetized like directly to it when I was reading Rental Property Investing by Brandon Turner. He's got all the f different financing types that you can go through. He's even got private capital in there, all these different techniques. 
Um, so I saw that loan and I was like, that is going to be, I'm going to be able to get an equity gain in this thing and it's going to cash flow and my cash on cash return is going to be pretty stupid on this thing. And then I went to, um, even like on the financing side, I didn't have all the capital to bring to the table. I said I needed 25,000. So for me to close on this property, I had 10,000 in savings that I used. I borrowed $8,000 from my dad. He gifted me 8,000. I actually told him he could have 25% equity in the property. And then I bought him out of that 25% equity six months later. I paid him back 12K. So he got a 50% return on his money. And then there was another 7K that I had to bring to the table to close on it. So my dad, I got, I had 10 in savings. My dad gave me seven and I had to bring another eight to the table to close on this thing. And I had, actually read about using the Roth IRA and pulling out of your Roth IRA to a penalty free and being able to use that as capital for your first real estate purchase. So I did that. And crazy enough, COVID hits like a week and a half later after I pull out of my Roth IRA and all the stocks tanked. So it was like a, a perfect storm of of me being able to use that capital. Yeah. And I love that part of your story. I, I heard that that you know you you brought in because the biggest thing with these two or three k loans or what you did was to build your career right, and you had to borrow money essentially for equity or fifty percent. And people are like, oh, you can't pay a lender fifty percent on their money. That's that's absurd. But you can because it changes everything. And it's like not don't get trapped on the cost of the money or what it just whatever it takes to get you into that deal and is the end result going to change your life? And so it's that. That that not being afraid to pay fifty percent for that extra capital you need, I think, is is something that's really important because people get that they get that paralysis analysis or analysis paralysis where they can't because like I can't pay that much, but you can as long as the structure works. Well, James, think about also how many people would are like like let's be clear here. Matt is buying a hundred and twenty five thousand dollar condemned quadplex in rural New Jersey, which I didn't know existed uh, until this podcast. Um, go figure. And, you know, a lot of people, I think, are doing something similar on a nice fixed up property in a nice part of town with their parents giving them a little bit of the uh, 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 the deal there and not house hacking. And there's a huge difference in my mind between those two approaches, right? Like it's one thing to go all in on this bet early in life on a house hack, which I completely agree with. I've done, I did almost identical thing here, except I didn't use the 203k loan uh, in my personal life. Um, versus using this amount of leverage and borrowing for that down payment on the the family home uh, that's already all fixed up. So I I just want to throw that caveat in there. Like I completely agree with you, and I think you agree as well. In the context of a house hack bet, this all makes sense. If you're buying your first house and it was ready to go, you'd be you'd be way in over your skis and you'd be hating life right now. Right. And what I, I would like to throw out is like that debt wasn't really structured that way for me to pay it out. Because I, as I mentioned, like I, I told my dad he could have 25% equity in the property. And for me, it was like, this makes sense. Like in the position that I'm in right now, if somebody came to me and was like, hey, can I have $8,000 for 25% equity in my property? I would like throw it away like nothing. At that time, I thought I was getting a killer deal because my dad like put down half for my brother's property and he got 50%. And I was like, you know, I'm getting the killer deal because this thing is is going to cash flow so much. So then at that point, I was like, you, you were know, getting I, a killer deal. That was a good. Right. Yeah. And I was like, I want to 
but then I was like, I want to get a hundred percent cash flow on this property. This is my first property. Like the the FHA or the two hundred three K loan, three and a half percent down. Any loan that you could get five percent or under, that's a huge asset to have, and you don't come by those types of loans that often. So you have to. I wanted to take full advantage of that to uh, get the biggest bang for my buck. I like your dad's style. He he doesn't give out free money. He he's a, he's a true hard money guy. I like I like I want half the deal. Here you go. I want half the deal or fifty percent return. My kind of guy. He's good. He's good. It's Military Appreciation Month, so I'd like to personally thank all our past guests who have served and all our listeners who are serving, deployed, veterans, or in the reserves. But I'm not the only one showing appreciation. Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate their members who go above and beyond with exclusive rates, discounts, and tools. This month, join Navy Federal and get $50 when you open a credit card. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate to see their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. With 24-7 U.S.-based member service and resources for veterans transitioning to civilian life, Navy Federal is here to help you reach your goals. Head to NavyFederal.org slash celebrate. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, equal housing lender. Disclaimer, must join an open membership savings account between May 1st and May 31st. Annual percentage yield 0.25% for membership savings account. $5 minimum balance to open, maintain membership savings account, and to obtain bonus. Visit NavyFederal.org for more terms and conditions. Listen up, business owners. Here's some quick math. Fewer costs equals more profit. The problem? You're spending more than ever on operations, materials, deliveries, software, and more. So why not reduce your costs and headaches with NetSuite by Oracle? NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. NetSuite lives in the cloud, which means you can reduce IT costs with no hardware required. Cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because now you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. It makes sense that over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Don't let rising costs sink your business's growth. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash bpmoney. That's netsuite.com slash bpmoney. netsuite.com slash bpmoney. When it comes to financial guidance, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When Mindy and I want to upgrade our wallets, we turn to NerdWallet. Scott's right. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, Mindy and I were paying for vacations in cash, missing out on miles, and not even knowing what we're leaving on the table. But now we're flying through the skies for free, thanks to our new cards with more miles and upgrades than ever. So if you want more travel rewards, hotel upgrades, or airport lounge access, no matter where you go next, let NerdWallet help you make it happen with a killer travel card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms of each credit card issuer apply. What if I told you that I, Mindy Jensen, the queen of budgeting, 
the personal finance fanatic, sometimes forgot to cancel my subscriptions. I know, it's horrible. $10 here, $15 there. My useless subscription bills could have taken my whole family out to dinner multiple times. Rocket Money can make all that subscription sadness suddenly vanish. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. You can see all your subscriptions in one place and cancel money-sucking subscriptions with a tap. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash bpmoney. That's rocketmoney.com slash bpmoney. Rocketmoney.com slash bpmoney. So can you can you just give us another le- layer of depth on the process of working with the FHA consult? I guess the two hundred three k consultant specifically uh, on this property. I I'm I'm not familiar with this process at all, and it seems like a very very powerful tool for folks that are just getting started in, with their first large remodel house hack style. Yeah, so that and that is why I do refer to this as like a Burr training wheels option because. One, the bank isn't going to allow you to buy this property if it doesn't make sense. And two, they're making sure it makes sense by sending out this 203K consultant to work for you. So how it works is you apply for the loan and they start like like a typical loan. Do, do you have to be an owner-occupant? Uh, yes. So it's the same as FHA. It's owner-occupant. For the 203K loan, it's owner-occupant for one year. Um, so then they, you go in, you apply for the loan and they come out and they send a 203k consultant out. And now this is for renovations over $20,000. If it's under $20,000, you could do something called a 203k streamline, which means you bring in your own contractors. You could even realistically be the contractor as long as you have a contractor's license on that loan. And then you can, uh, basically, man, they'll give you $20,000 or under, and you can hand that money out as it seems. Anything o- over that, because it's a first-time homebuyer's loan, the bank wants to make sure that you are properly managing your money. So the 203K consultant, again, will come out to the property. They will look at it, take a first look, and say, it's going to need this, 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 and this. They give you an entire scope of work. And then they give you about what it should cost. You go out, get other quotes from contractors. They bring it back, basically underwrite the entire list of the scope of work. And now this 203K consultant, you have about five visits throughout the entire process of your renovation. So whenever a contractor wants a draw, they have to request a draw from the bank. Then the 203K consultant will come out. And if the contractor says, I did the walls, I did the floor, and I did the roof, the 203K consultant is going to look at the roof. He's going to say, all right, the roof looks pretty good. Everything looks good here. The floor looks like it needs some trim on it, and the walls are only 50% done. There's only 50% paint. So what he'll do is he'll mark down each of these things. Walls, 50% done. Floors, 90% done. Roof, 100% done. And then that amount will get paid paid out to the contractor minus 
10%. So again, the bank holds back 10% every single time to keep the contractor honest and keep them locked into staying with you on the deal. James, this sounds better than what you do. Yeah, it I mean that's a lot of work and and I and I love this program because you know, someone like Matt, a brand new investor, or someone like uh, all of us when we're first getting in in real estate, it's always what is a deal? And then how do you actually fix it to get there? And a lot of people can buy the wrong thing. And then the rehab budget goes way out of control. And it was just, it could have been a great buy for a lot of different people, but not for that specific person. But with the 203 contractor, uh, you know, so you have a list of contractors you have to go through, right? Which is actually great for a brand new investor because you're always looking for new resources. What was their pricing like? Because we've we've actually sent our clients up through there and then they want us to help with the renovation because that's part of our brokerage services. But these contractors aren't on my list, right? I, they're just not guys that, that I use. How wh- What is their experience? What is their pricing? And then another thing, do they lock the bid prior to you closing or is this done after post-closing? Because that can affect the numbers, you know, like with you, you had to borrow your other half the down to get into the deal. So if that went over budget, that could be very detrimental. So what's that process and how do people protect themselves to make sure they don't get themselves in that situation? Right. So yeah, everything is locked in prior to prior to closing on the property, prior to the loan. The contractor has to be locked in. But the contractors are just everyday licensed contractors. I could go to my guy that I use for every project now, use him. I could go to the the guy down the street. I could just Google contractors and have every I could come out and get 10 different quotes from 10 different guys as long as they are licensed because the bank will check and make sure that they're licensed. And that's why like coming into my story, I learned a lesson real quick. I went with the cheapest contractor. And I so I got one quote. So I had I had three contractors come out and quote me. I got one quote at um one quote at a hundred forty-five thousand, which for me that it just didn't work. But in hindsight, I should have gone with this guy because he's a great contractor. I got another quote for right around a hundred thousand dollars, and then another quote for a hundred and uh, twenty thousand dollars or one hundred fifteen thousand um, dollars, and I ended up going with the cheapest guy. Luckily, the bank throws on a contingency reserve as well, so it ended up being the hundred. They throw on like a, I think the guy's quote was like a hundred and three thousand, and they threw on a contingency of around fifteen percent. So that's where the hundred twenty thousand dollars in renovations come from, and I take the cheapest guy and this guy's working on my dad's my brother's f 203k loan as well right now my brother did a 203k streamline and uh this guy just goes missing walks the job and i had already locked in with this guy about to close on the loan and i told the bank i was like the contractor's gone like he's not working on my dad's property i need another person so that's when i ended up going to this other guy who was 100 and uh like 17,000 something like that and you know the the dollars just ended up being enough to make that project go through so we ended up closing on that loan um but yeah to answer the question everyday contractors so that is a big process for me and and that helped me re- realize like the guys that I really want to bring in and then like this whole thing starts my project starts 3 months late um 
COVID's going on. There's all these different problems with materials. So things are increasing. There was one point where someone broke into my property and one of my contractors fought them. And uh, so they had to go to the guy who broke into my property, sued my contractor. So that issue's happening. And the town's coming after me because there's all these issues with like, uh, like the contractor coming in. and then one of my con, one of the other guys working there ends up going, having to go to court to get deported. So it's like a whole mess. And this thing took a year and a half to get done. I had, I had a deck. I built a deck three times fully up, built this staircase. You got to take it down. It's not done properly. Brought in, I was like, guys, we got to do this right. I don't know how to do this. I really don't know how to do this, but we got to do it right. And built it again. Put more nails in it. That's what they did. They put more nails in wood, and we had to tear it down. So then I built my own like structural. I actually built the architectural design for the this stair set, and I brought in another guy that I found in town. I was like, I need you to build this because that was the last part of my project to finalize this thing and get it passed from the town. So I could get people in here and then get it passed by the bank. So that's when things get a little dicey. Oh, now they get dicey. Put more nails in it. That's the solution to everything. (laughs) More paint, more nails. You're good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But so the beauty, the beauty about this, and I do think that uh, COVID, COVID kind of saved the beginning of my investing career because I think I wouldn't have liked real estate as much at this point because I was a year and a half in with no tenants. Uh, but I did get to take advantage of COVID forbearance, so I didn't have to pay any of that. And that was really just me paying attention to the market. I didn't have to pay any of these loans. I didn't have to do anything until I actually got tenants into my property. Yeah, that's uh, I, Matt, I love that story because it actually is therapy for me because we all deal with these same things. It doesn't matter how long you've been doing it for. You get the guy that needs to bang more nails. They build it wrong. Uh, that's pretty mentally draining, right? And, and, and the fact that it took a year and a half, you know, that usually comes with the territory. People forget, like if you buy the cheapest thing, best deal out there, there's a reason it's that way, right? It comes with all, you know, it comes with a, a list of problems, but if you can hang in there, that's really where you can turn your whole portfolio around because the equity gains are so massive and you just have to mentally prepare for it. But as a new investor, that is, that is, it's wearing, it's taxing, right? And you got that pressure of staying in budget and servicing that loan that whole time. So like, what did you do to a, get the project through, but also how did you service the debt? Were you able to live in that during that time? You, you know, a year and a half, that's, you know, if you can't get cash flow in, that's coming out of your pocket and you were at a 55 grand a year job at that point. So how did you deal with that? That's a huge, like liquidity crunches are big deals on new investors. Right. So that's, that's where I was saying the COVID saved me because they put COVID forbearance out there. So this was a year and a half of this project and I didn't have to put a dime out of my pocket towards the debt service. I actually finished the renovation, got people in and had no debt service on this for like two months, three months, four months. So I was like cash flowing like four grand a month at that point with, with no debt service on this. And then once you got to that point, because I did the forbearance and it didn't affect my credit at all. That's why I did this because of the special COVID forbearance, I was able to modify my loan. So that modification 
actually took my loan from a like a 3.2% down to like a 2.6% and they took off like an extra $50,000 that I would have paid and they moved it uh, to the back end of the loan and put it at a 0% interest and they started me over. at the, So that took a year and a half. They started this entire loan over on a new 30-year basis, which like that's why I say like COVID saved me and it made me not hate real estate because I didn't have to pay this debt service the entire time that this was running. Wait, wait. So, so can you, can let, let's just dive one more layer deep in there. So you have 50, so you, you had, I, I'm running the math here. You had $120,000 FHA loan when you purchased the property. $262,000 was the exact loan amount that I got. And that was a combination of FHA and 203k to build up to that that loan amount. And then you were able to get forbearance. COVID hits weeks after you close. Right. You go into forbearance. You're able to keep your job throughout all this? Kept my job. I actually used, that's what I was saying earlier. I used your method, job hopping. I increased my income from, I started at 55,000 and in a year and a half, I was up to 150 grand. Um, so I was making good money. Okay. And what were, what did you do there uh, before we go back to the, the side te- tangent I'm already on? I was working in sales, uh, logistics, technology sales. Okay. So you went, you took a sales job, you increased your annualized income from, to, from 55 to 150,000 while simultaneously completing this very smooth rehab process that you just outlined for us. Yeah. Really, really easy rehab. Yeah. And then in the summer of 2021, you're able to refinance essentially, and that puts fifty thousand. So, w- walk us through the the, the technical uh, terms here for how this refinance works. I'm, I'm very interested to hear about this. Yeah, so it wasn't even a refinance. It's because I did this COVID forbearance. It was basically like I don't. So I could have serviced the debt, but it was basically like if you're coming into any financial troubles. And in my head, I was like, this is a this is a huge financial trouble because I have this new property and there's nobody renting it, and I can't seem to figure out how to get this thing uh get this thing like done and renovated so it took um you know that that year and a half and so basically they just the bank says because of covid like the government said you don't have to pay so they were like just you don't have to pay us for this time and there was a covid forbearance amount that just kept building and building and building and building like this is the amount that you haven't paid and then so then at the end of this process there was an option to basically make it like a refinance, right? But not not a cash out, just a term. Okay, so this is this fifty grand or so is just the total amount of forbearance, inclusive of in principal, interest, taxes, insurance, um, on your payments. Yep, understood. And then that just gets taxed, and then this all just gets refinanced into one big lump, new thirty year mortgage at two point six percent, which is a huge gift. And that's where you're at right now. You have this two point six percent interest rate mortgage and this fully renovated property that went from condemned to rentable and profitable. Yes. Very, very much so. Yeah. Awesome. And now our story ends, right? There's, you have moved some tenants in and it's all smooth sailing from there. Or is there more to the story? Um, you know, now it's, it, it's pretty beautiful, man. I, I live here. I make, uh, you know, I, I get to live here for free. My debt service every month, taxes, insurance, and the water bill. So full expenses on this thing are $2,207 a month, $2,200 a month. And the other three apartments rent for 3800 bucks. So it cash flows me right around 1600 bucks. You know, you take out 
any other expenses, but luckily the whole place is brand new, so I don't really run into many expenses. I get to live here for free, and on weekends I Airbnb my apartment, and it rents for like four hundred bucks, and I go out and uh, like I'll go down to the beach or something like that. But uh, so it, it does pretty well for me. I've had tenants come out. I've had some issues with the town where they want me to do little repairs here and there, but you know every everything has been pretty good uh since since i got this thing up and running i mean this is like a story of relentlessness though like okay i'm living on a couch i got 55 grand i gotta figure out how to get the money then i'm gonna go (laughs) what deal works for me so i gotta buy the biggest fixer i can find biggest equity position hiring the contractors going way over having handled debt service and then finagling a loan it's just like it, it this is the true story of real estate investing and it's about working backwards and figuring it out. And, you know, and so I, I really do love this story. This is my kind of story. It's I, I remember going through the exact same things when I was 22. And the fact that you were able to do that and put yourself in a position with a 2.75% rate now fixed is unreal, right? And, and it's about taking that first step and just getting it done. That first property will change everything for people. Yeah, it really was that relentlessness that you were saying. Like on this whiteboard that I have behind me, this was at my mom's house when I wasn't living here when I was doing this renovation. And I had the cash flow calculation written on this whiteboard. And at the bottom, it had my cash flow. I was, I was thinking it was going to be around 900 to a thousand dollars a month and I was going to get to live for free. And I had under that, I had written, this is why you're doing this. And it was like every day I had to wake up, know that this thing was such a big problem I had to go tackle, but there was a reason that I was doing it and you know, it kept me in and it taught me a lot. Matt, I have one last question before you hear, before we wrap up, um, which is you mentioned at the beginning of the show that uh, your girlfriend broke up with you because you were sleeping on your cousin's couch. Has all of your success in real estate uh, uh, translated to newfound success in your love life personally? So, so that, that's funny. Cause I, uh, you know, I I like to hang out with people, but I, I kind of have gotten into this zone where it's like what I'm creating for myself right now is just like I'm I'm going out there. I need all the time that I have, all the time and focus that I have to build my brand, build myself, build my life up to what it can be and what I want it to be. I meet people along the way. I go out and travel. I traveled for another six months after I quit my job. So right now it's me and my dog traveling. We have fun. We meet people along the way and, and we do our thing. Love it. My, 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 I, I just, again, I see my, my story reflected in your first house hack here. And my, uh, my wife likes to tell people that when we first started dating and when she first moved into my house, we did not have heat at the time because I was like, heat is for the tenants. Uh, uh, <laughs> good luck. Good luck to you on that front. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate it. And it is right. It, it's, it's all about that financial basis. If somebody wants to reach financial freedom right now, if you just decrease your the financial basis that you need to be at to reach financial freedom, if you go from needing 10,000 to 5,000 and you create the 5,000, all right, well, now you just gain 40 hours back in your week. Now you can put 40 hours towards finding other better investments and you can rocket shift off from there and increase even more income. So that's I anyone who's young and has a low res, amount of responsibility and you could live pretty well below your means, I would do it, build that passive income up 
and then use all the new time that you have, leverage that to build up tons more assets and increase your passive income from there. It's about doing whatever it takes, right? And I remember when we did our first house hack, then I sold it for another house, sold it for another house, but it turned out we were low on funds because I kept trading up my properties. I had to move in with my mom for a year. This is like eight years ago. and it, But it was like what we had to do. It was me, a, a, a two-year-old and a brand new baby, my wife, and we're living in the basement for a year and a half. And it was brutal, but it changed everything. So just hanging in there, do whatever it takes, and it can make big, big impact. Yeah. Yeah, I appreciate that. That puts a, a new new perspective on things still, man. You did what it takes. Love it. Well, Matt, where can people find out more about you? Instagram is a good spot. Um, I also have a podcast, Financial Freedom Fast Podcast on Apple and Spotify. And uh, yeah, Facebook too. Facebook, Matt Amabile, M-A-T-T-A-M-A-B-I-L-E. Awesome. And what's that Instagram handle for those who are looking to follow you? It's at Matt Amabile, M-A-T-T-A-M-A-B-I-L-E. Awesome. Well, we really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your story. Congratulations on the uh, the, the awesome outcome for the house hack. And um, we wish you the best of luck going forward. Appreciate you, Scott. Thanks, James, as well. Good meeting you, man. All right. That was Matt Amabile. Uh, and what a wild house hack story. I don't think, I think that's one of the craziest renovations from a first time investor I've heard. Uh, what did you think, James? I loved it. He's a doer, right? Part of this whole financial freedom journey is just stumbling along, putting your mind to it and just taking, not taking no for an answer. And that's what his whole story is. So I really enjoyed it. I, I love relentlessness. I love when people push to, to, to really change their life. Yeah. I, I think what's cool is, you know, he, he, he read all these books, you know, did all, all these different stories, like, like my, my house hack, right. From 10, almost 10 years now, gosh, now my first one, right. You know, I bought a, with a home path loan with a FHA 5% down $12,000 and a $240,000 purchase price property. I did not use any of these things. Like that's no longer available. He took kind of that example and others and said, okay, how can I spin that with in a 2020 timeframe with a FHA and 203k loan in this area and make that work with a massive renovation. And that specific tactic can no longer work in today's environment or, or will be much harder, right? There will need to be a new creative twist to Matt's story uh, with the next house hacker that's getting started in 2023. And that's what this is all about. And everybody is going to be pioneering uh, the, the the path with, with, with their entry into real estate in every circumstance, right? If they're going to hit, uh, hit, hit a home run. But I love the fact that it, it did end up working out for him in the end. Um, a lot of luck involved in, in making that work, just like a lot of luck involved in my first property. I don't know. I can't speak for you, but perhaps there was some luck uh, in your first one as well. Yeah, I've, I've had good luck and bad luck over the years, and it just kind of depends on market conditions. But yeah, definitely, I was very lucky when I got mine too. I, I bought it at the right time, and it exploded. And so it, it worked. Would love to hear more successful house hacking stories out there. And so if you've got one, share them in the Bigger Pockets Money Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash BP Money, or uh, so give us an application to come on the money show at biggerpockets.com slash guest. All right, James, should we get out of here? Let's do it. We got a sunny day to go enjoy. From this episode of the Bigger Pockets Money podcast, and in the words of Mindy Jensen, I am Scott Trench, and he is James Daynard, and we are saying, must be off, little moths. If you enjoyed today's episode, please give us a five-star review on Spotify or Apple. And if you're looking for even more money content, feel free to visit our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash biggerpocketsmoney. Bigger Pockets Money was created by Mindy Jensen and Scott Trench, produced by Kaylin Bennett. 
editing by Exodus Media. Copywriting by Nate Weintraub. Lastly, a big thank you to the Bigger Pockets team for making this show possible. It's Military Appreciation Month, so I'd like to personally thank all our past guests who have served and all our listeners who are serving, deployed, veterans, or in the reserves. But I'm not the only one showing appreciation. Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate their members who go above and beyond with exclusive rates, discounts, and tools. This month, join Navy Federal and get $50 when you open a credit card. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate to see their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. With 24-7 U.S.-based member service and resources for veterans transitioning to civilian life, Navy Federal is here to help you reach your goals. Head to NavyFederal.org slash celebrate. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, equal housing lender. Disclaimer, must join an open membership savings account between May 1st and May 31st. Annual percentage yield 0.25% for membership savings account. $5 minimum balance to open, maintain membership savings account, and to obtain bonus. Visit NavyFederal.org for more terms and conditions.